Welcome to the Eastside Church Podcast. Today, we'll be listening to a message from Pastor Alex Barefoot. Michael and I didn't communicate. I mean, we've got so many different speakers that are speaking. You know, it's almost impossible. And he had no idea I was going to talk about unity this morning. And we already, Bethany started this morning by saying, Lord, we partner with heaven. Lord, we, this morning we open up and we partner with heaven. And then we said, there was an invitation from God to come and feast, see, taste, and see that the Lord is good. And we said, my soul, it thirsts for you, God. I need to be in unity with you. We sang, make me a vessel. Make me an offering. Bring new wine out of me. And... and, uh, as I prepared this week, you know, I knew the Lord wanted to give us a message about, about unity. And I thought it, was, thought it was great that I was going to be able to do this on Valentine's. You know, because unity probably is the most important ingredient to a great marriage. How many would agree that unity is probably the most important ingredient to a great marriage? And, and it is, it, it really is, is, is hard to find. And, and if you're not, if you're not watching yourself, you'll find that you can be divisive. You can, you can bring division inside a relationship very easily. How many find yourself bringing division unnecessarily in a relationship? Somebody besides the pastor, please raise your hand. Otherwise, he'll be embarrassed. Sometimes you do it on purpose. Why? Because you feel like it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You woke up on the wrong side of the bed. I think I'll just cause a fight this morning. Why? Because I didn't get enough sleep. (laughs) And so I want to talk about unity. I want to talk about that in marriage too because we're going to read about and we're going to talk about, we're going to read a lot of scripture today. Uh, we're going to talk about the Trinity and the unity of the triune God. We're going to talk about that relationship. And the reason I want to is, is because we need to understand as the church, and when I say the church, I mean Eastside Church, but I also mean the Christian church. Needs to understand that that one ingredient, that unity ingredient, is the thing that shows the world the manifestation of the power of God more than any other thing. And the Bible actually teaches until the church, the worldwide church, gets in unity with one another, they won't believe. That actually the the only hope of the world is that the Christian church be in unity. Golly, that seems like an impossible task, doesn't it? When we argue over the things we argue over. When we take stands and divide for the reasons that we take stands for and divide and bring division among us. And then we make fun of each other for those divisions. You know, I think about that and I'm very challenged. How many of you are challenged already? I'm very challenged when I think about that. And I think about when, when God says, he says, a, a, a child shall leave their father and mother and they shall cleave to one another and the two shall become What do you think he's talking about? You think he's talking about unity? He's talking about unity. Now, unity actually means, it actually means 
uh, oneness. It actually means no division, none. How many would say we have no division in our finances at home? What do you think God would have you be in marriage? Divided about finances or in unity about finances? What are we doing? What are we doing as individuals to get unified? Are you striving for that? We're singing these songs. We're singing partner with heaven. I want to come and feast. My soul thirsts for you. Is that just empty words? Are there words for you, are are your words for God, but your heart is far from you? That's what he says so oftentimes about the church. Unity is perfect harmony. You say, man, that's hard. It's impossible without grace. Without grace. But the triune God, the unity of the triune God is a, is a, uh, a picture. It is, it is a model. It is the model for the church, and it is the model for your marriage. That relationship between Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit is designed to show us how to walk in unity. And so what they do, when we, when we talk, there's an invitation. What they do is they invite you into the relationship. The invitation by God is to come to me, all who are heavy laden, and I will give you everything we saw. My soul thirsts for you, O God. Heaven on earth. Bring heaven in. As it is in heaven, so it be here on earth. How do you do that? You do that with agreement. You do that with unity. You see, oftentimes we even mess prayer up because what we pray is what we want. We pray what we want, and then we take a, 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 uh, a gospel that has been perverted and declare that we have authority to demand from God what we want. When prayer was designed to bring us into unity with heaven, it was designed so that you could align yourself with heaven. And when you align yourself with heaven, guess what that does? It brings you authority. You don't, you don't have to grasp for authority. You can have authority here on earth. You can have dominion and authority. How? Agree with heaven. And you have automatic authority because you're in agreement with heaven. Matter of fact, Romans even says it like this. When you don't know how to pray, when you don't know what to pray, Michael, that song we just sang, I don't have much to offer. You know, you know I say the same thing all the time. When you don't know what to pray, the Spirit will pray for you the will of God. Why? Because God's whole desire is that we as his created beings be in perfect harmony with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And that is salvation. You're saved from being in 
division from God. You were saved into unity with Christ. You see how all this works together? When you start thinking about the power of the Godhead and the unity of the Godhead and the purpose you were designed for and the purpose of the church and and try to separate that from perfect harmony with the Godhead, you you can't go anywhere. It it didn't go anywhere healthy. When we we align ourselves, when we say to the Lord, you know, Lord, bring new wine, and with new wine comes new power, right? What's power? Power is grace, right? So with new wine, there comes new grace. There's just new power within me to do what? To come in unity with the Godhead, walking in authority so that I can bring heaven to earth. There's there's no way to demand heaven to come to earth. You cannot demand it. You can just align with it. You line yourself up with it. You're thinking and you're doing. Your, Your thoughts, he knows the thoughts and the intents of our hearts. So let's just look at and a couple things here. I just want to. I just want to go over this importance of, of 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 several things. The first thing is that that we've got to make a decision for ourselves that there's only one true God. You know, as I as I begin to think about this week and and how I could just come and talk to you, I just wanted to have a conversation with you. I just wanted to talk about how important it is to recognize the fact that you've got to come to a personal decision. There's only one true God. You know, you've got to say to yourself, you know, well, I'm going to try this thing out. I'm going to check it out. I mean, it's, it's as good as anything else. I mean, you know, I believe there's a God or a creator or whatever, and, and, this, and this Jesus thing and this salvation thing sounds as good as anything else, so I'll, I'll just be that. Or, or are you going to really have a personal encounter with the, with the risen Savior? The, the reason I say that's so important is I, I remembered a story this week. I, I, I don't know how many years ago. It was a lot of years ago, probably, probably 15 years ago. I went to the Appalachian Trail between Christmas and, 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 and New Year's, that week in between, and we were hiking the Appalachian Trail. And uh, we stayed in this shelter. It actually it thunderstorm snowed that week. It was the weirdest thing walking on the Appalachian Trail. It's thunderstorming, lightning is cracking everywhere, and it's snowing. You're like, what in the world is this? We thought the second coming was happening. But <laughs> anyway, we're in this shelter, and this guy comes in. And we're like, hey, man, how you doing? He's like, good, man. He said, he said, y'all, y'all, just, y'all just here for the week? And I said, he said, we said, yes. He said, well, I left. Where does the app trail start up in, up north? Where does it start? Maine. So he started in Maine uh, and, and, and moved his way down. So he started in the summertime or the spring in Maine, and he was, he was walking the whole thing. And his mom and daddy were professors at Connecticut University. And they were atheists, and he grew up an atheist. But he walked this trail, and he decided in his mind's eye that he was going to walk this trail, and he was going to discover God. 
He wanted to be enlightened. But his enlightenment wasn't this, I'm going to go pursue Jesus. He thought he was going to get the enlightenment or something. I don't know. It, you know, it was some kind of do 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 some kind of something like that is what he thought he was going to do. So he leaves Maine and he starts walking down the Appalachian Trail and he gets all the way down to where we, uh, you know, about halfway to where we are. And, and he, he feels the presence. And he said he was walking down the trail and he'd be walking down the trail and he'd turn around and look because he thought somebody was there. He said it happened for about two days. And he finally said, who are you? And he heard a voice aloud that said, Jesus. And I went, you got any wacky backy with you? <laughs> do, you, do, you do you smoke a doobie while you was walking down the trail? Isn't that your first thought when somebody says they hear Jesus? I mean, I mean like... I mean, like I had this encounter with Jesus in person. I go, okay, okay, let's hear this one out. I, I don't doubt it all the time. Yes, I do doubt it all the time because have you ever had an encounter with the incarnate Jesus? I haven't. I've had an, an amazing encounter with the Holy Spirit, and I've probably had some angelic uh, experiences but I don't know that I've had an incarnate experience with Jesus. I've had an awful powerful relationship with the Holy Spirit. But how do I know this is true? This guy, this guy falls on his face. He said, I fell on my face, and the presence of God was so strong. It was unbelievable. I got up, went to the nearest town. The next town I came to, I went in, I got a Bible, the first Bible I'd ever had. And when I looked at that Bible like two weeks later, it was written in, it was, it was, he had totally just gobbled that thing up. How do I know that it was real? Because everything about who he was changed. He came to the conclusion because of his encounter with God that God, Jesus, was the one true God. You see, church is not enough. Church is so we can encourage each other. Church is so that we can keep our eye on the prize. Church is so that we can, we can re-steer the vessel. Church is to have an encounter with God in the presence that a corporate setting that you can't have as an individual. Yes, it's true. It's different. But you need to have a personal encounter with the risen Savior. You need to decide for yourself and be absolutely positive there is only one true God. God is very, very, very adamant with his people that they understand that he is the one true God. He's the only God. There's only one God. In Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4, it says, Hear, O Israel, hear, O church, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Tell Isaiah 45, 21. Matter of fact, let's go ahead and go to that. Go to, go to Isaiah 45, 21 if you've got your Bible. Can, can we get a little bit of light in here? Is that possible or is that going to mess everything up? If it's not possible, don't do it. But if it is, give them some light. This is all about God's provision and God's protection. 
Actually, this is, I'm going to do 44 too. And pray to God. They, these, uh, let's start with 20. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together. You who have escaped from the nations, they have no knowledge who carry the wood of their carved image and pray to a God that cannot save. These people are clueless, he's saying. And then he says, tell and bring forth your, your case. Yes, let them make counsel together. Who has declared this from the ancient of time? Who, who did it? Who has told it from that, from that time, that first time? Have not I, the Lord said, I have said the thing that he's talking about. And there is no other God besides me. A just God and a Savior, there is none besides me. God is really clear and he's really adamant about this idea that he's the only one that has the ability to save. He's the only God. Isaiah 44, 8 says, do not fear nor be afraid. Have I not told you from that time and declared it? You are my witnesses. Is there a God besides me? Indeed, there is no other rock. I know not one. God is declaring about himself, I am the one true God. Do you say that about him? Do you say that about him? Have you had an encounter with the one true God? An encounter that changed your life altogether. That once you you had contact with this God, everything about what you did went into service to him. That's salvation. That's what it means to be saved. That you lay down your life, you take up your cross, and you follow him. Your instrument of death, and you follow him. John 17, 3 says, and this is eternal life. Jesus is saying this to Pilate, that they know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. 1 Corinthians 8, 4, Paul says it this way, Therefore, concerning the eating of things offered to idols, we know that an idol is nothing in the world. We know that this idol is, it has no power. Has no power, so we know that. Do you know that? Ask yourself today do I really believe? Am I really committed to the one true God? So, if I am committed to the one true God, and if the Trinity is unified, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, let's think about that for just a second. The Father is the one who created all things. He is the creator of all things. He spoke it, Jesus being the word. Holy Spirit is hovering over the deep, right? About Jesus, Jesus said, I don't do anything I don't see the Father doing, right? Nothing. What's he do? What's Jesus do? Everything the Father does. What's Jesus say? Everything the Father says. He only does and says what the Father says. What's the Holy Spirit do? The Holy Spirit leads you into all truth and reveals the truth about what Jesus said. They're, 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 but they're one. They're one. How are they one? They agree, have the same attributes. They're, everything about them is the same, including their purpose. Even though they have different roles, they're about the same business. Because they're unified. They're one. 
in your relationship with your wife. Children in relationship with your parents. There needs to be unity. Is it difficult? Yes. Can you do it? Not by yourself. You need the grace of God. But is it possible? It's absolutely possible. Even as a teenager. Even as a teenager. (laughs) Stop, she said. I did that on purpose because I knew she was approachable. So you've got to discover for yourself that there's one true God. Every person's got to make that decision. Because what's God's desire for you is, and for me, is that we just join them. His desire for you and me is we just join the Trinity. He says he wants to make his home with you. Do you think God's going to come into a home when there's disunity? Do you think there, 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 is, there is going to be a home made by God where someone who, who has decided that they're going to live an unrighteous life, they're going to practice unrighteousness or lawlessness even though they know God says something different because they like it? God, you know, when he goes and gets the one, you know what he does? He goes and gets the one. He brings it back. He doesn't go hang out where the one's hanging out that's lost. He brings the one back home. And if he has to, he breaks his leg and brings it home. But he brings it home. He brings it back to himself. He brings it back into oneness. He brings it back where there's no division. He brings it back to perfect harmony. We need to know that where unity exists, joy happens. We need to know that where unity exists is where the blessing flows. When you're unified with the kingdom of God, when you're unified with the things of God, that's when blessings flow. So we think, and there is, it feels like it's being taught, and it feels like there's this gobbling up of this idea that we can do anything we want to, and because we're sons and daughters, the blessing comes. And that's just not the way it works. You have to align yourself with kingdom, and when you do, blessings are automatic. They just come, just like the authority. It is, it is the blessing. Heaven opens up when that occurs. So what do we got to do? Both of us, all of us, have to make a decision that we're going to follow God. Now, let me just say this, too. How many have been in unity and have good seasons in marriage and then not so good season. Anybody besides the preacher? Good. Good. I mean, sometimes your marriage is like, wow, man, this thing is on fire. And then sometimes you go, oh, this thing, this thing's on fire. <laughs> if I don't put this thing out, it's going to burn down. That's exactly right. 
So don't think that your commitment to God is a one-time thing. Don't think that commitment to unity is a one-time thing. You have to wake up every day and say, I'm going to love this person. You got to wake up every day and say, I'm going to serve the Lord our God with all my heart, with all my soul. Lord, if there's any wicked way in me, reveal it. If there's any way that's contrary to yours, God, reveal it to me. And uh, God says, come to me. So let's just look at the personality and the relationship and the unity of the triune God and what he says about himself. There's a lot of scripture. But I, I want you to have it all. So hopefully you're taking notes in your new little book that you got. John 10, 30. I am my father. Say that with me. Is it up? Yeah, let's say it together. I am my father or one. Go therefore, he's talking to me and you. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. In 1 Corinthians 8, 6, he says, Yet for us there is one God, the Father of whom are all things, and we for him, and one Lord, Jesus Christ, through whom all, who, whom are all things and through whom we live. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6 says, There are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are diversities of ministries, but the same Lord. There are diversities of activities, but it's the same God who works them all in all. 2 Corinthians 13, 14, the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. Amen. 2 Thessalonians 2, 13 and 14. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit. This verse right here calls the whole denomination. Anyway, and belief in the truth to which he called you by our gospel for the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. You see the Godhead written in, in that verse in Thessalonians. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4 through 6, there is one body and one spirit, just as you were called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. First Peter 1 and 2, again, I want to remind you that if they're in unity, we can be in unity. And that verse right there points that out. He's in us all who are saved. You are the elect according to the foreknowledge of God. This is part of the one that calls the, the divisiveness <laughs> election. According to the foreknowledge of God, the Father, in the sanctification of the Spirit for the obedience of the sprinkling of the blood of Jesus, grace to you and peace be multiplied. The Godhead in unity right there. First John 5, 4 through 6. For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. Who is he who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? This is who came by water and blood, Jesus Christ. Not only by water, but by water and blood. And it is the Spirit who bears witness because the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. Ephesians 
So you see unity, but you see different roles. Revelation chapter 1, verse 4 through 6 says this. John says to the seven churches which are in Asia, grace to you and peace from him who is and who was and who is to come. And from the seven spirits who are before his throne and from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn from the dead and the ruler over the kings of the earth. Do I need to repeat that again? He is the ruler over the kings of the earth. To him who loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood and has made us kings and priests to his God and Father. To him be glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen? Amen. And so there's unity in the Godhead. Even though they have different roles, they're one. They, they're about the same thing. So the most important aspect that we can think of about unity is that it's in characteristic. The second thing is purpose. They, they have a unified purpose. The whole purpose of the Godhead is to bring kingdom everywhere, that the kingdom of heaven would rule and reign, and that would include here. So we become participants. We become, as Bethany prayed, in partnership with heaven to bring kingdom here. How do you bring kingdom? How do you bring kingdom? How do you bring kingdom? Agree. Agree. The only way to bring kingdom, it, it is praying, but praying is aligning your heart. Praying is aligning your thinking. Praying is aligning your doing. Praying is not a Christmas list to Santa Claus. Praying is not for God as much as it is for you. It is to help align you with kingdom so kingdom can come. If you'll do this, he'll do this. It is a reciprocal uh, law in Scripture that if we'll respond a certain way, God will respond a certain way. And the grace of God is poured out, the power of God, on new wine. There's new power. There's new power to succeed. Not at your pace. At God's pace. But what we find ourselves doing is we, we unify ourselves with God. Say, oh, I'm going to unify myself with God. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm unified with God. All right, God, go. Go. Come on. Go, 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 go. You're not doing anything. Okay, I'll do it. And then we bring division. And now we're not unified. And now we don't have power. You watching me? You hear me? This is, this is life. This is truth. The battle is not mine. It's the Lord's. But do you not think he wants you to participate? He wants you to participate. How? In agreement with what he tells you to do. You align with him. He'll give your battle assignment. You do that 
It'll have power. It'll break the bounds of hell. It'll loose chains. The word of God does what it was sent to do. You tracking with me how all this works? Do you see how important unity is? Yet we get out on our own so quickly because we're overconfident and prideful. And God says, if you're not unified with me, if you're not in perfect harmony with me, there's division. And where there's division, every kind of evil can come. That's why he says a three-stranded cord is stronger because it's in unity. And it's harder to be broken because there's unity. So let me just show you some unity of purpose. Luke chapter 1, verse 35, And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is to be born will be called the Son of God. You see the, the unity of purpose in the Godhead. In Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17, it says this. When he, Jesus, had been baptized, he came up immediately from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting upon him. And suddenly a voice came from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in who I am well pleased. John chapter 5, verse 26 says, For as the Father has life in himself, so he has granted the Son to have life in himself. 1 Corinthians 12, 4 and 6 says this, there, there are diversities of gifts, but the same Spirit. There are different kinds of ministries, but the same Lord. And there are diversities of activities. We just read this a minute ago. But in the same God who works them all in all. And so when we, we sing that popular song that says, God, I want to join your story. Is that really true? Do you want to come into unity with God or do you want God to come into unity with you? What is it that you're really asking him? Lord, I, I, I believe in you. Could you come in unity with me? Or are we just saying... Whatever you have for me, God, the answer is yes. Whatever you want me to do, because I know you're good, and I know that's where blessing are. I know that's where the kingdom is. I know that's where you know the plans for me, the plans to prosper me and harm, not to harm me part. I, I know that's where that is. That's in unity. That's not in division. It's not in separation. That verse loses itself if, you, if you're not in unity with God. God is calling them back there to, so that they can be blessed. Come back. I know the plans I have for you, Chris. I know what they are. Come get them. Come on. Align yourself with me so that I can do them. 
Because, man, you, you, you can't imagine the blessing I want to pour out on you. Well, why isn't God's blessing on me? Why? I mean, I've been standing over here for years, and he hasn't done nothing. Yep. Come to me. Come to me. Draw near to me, and I'll... He wants you to join his story. He will go after the one, but he's not going to live in the pig pen. He's going to bring you out into unity with the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Every person must meet God on their journey, and they have to choose that they're going to serve him. They need to pursue his purpose, his purpose for you. You know, God's got this purpose for you. We get this thing messed up too. My wife said this so many years ago. God gives me the desire of my heart. No, no, no. You, you don't understand. You, you didn't hear that right. He didn't give me what I want. He gives me what I'm going to desire. And then he carries it out. He gives me the desire, and then he does it. But first, we have to have his desire. We have to want what he wants. We have to want to be about his purpose. You've got this unique purpose on this earth. It is, if I could just show you the excitement that is in you have a unique purpose unduplicatable expression of God that, that is purposed before the foundation of the world. And the only way for that expression to manifest is in unity with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Otherwise, you're just taking a walk and you're reaping the things that you're sowing outside of unity. You're reaping what division brings. And God is not, he's not shaming you. He's not beating you over the head. You got, you got to understand, God is saying, I, I'm good. <laughs> Come and see, taste and see that the Lord is good. Come. I got something for you. And through you, the world is going to see the most unique expression of the Godhead that has ever been. It'll never be again. It has one opportunity to express itself on earth, and that's while you're alive. Isn't that interesting? He's got a purpose for you. So we need to unify with the Godhead, and when we do, the, the power of the Holy Spirit will overshadow you, will come upon you, and through new wine comes new power. Great grace be upon you. Authority, and you'll see the kingdom of heaven come to earth. Man, that's cool. You know, it's important. But I'm going to tell you what. 
I've been through a lot of seasons with Liz. We were just kicking around yesterday, having our little Valentine's party. No kids at home. Hallelujah. Nathan's, Nathan's here, so I won't get too excited. Where's he at? He's somewhere in here. I can't see. Brittany's here. Got five kids. Hallelujah. We don't have any. They're all adults now. <laughs> it's a new season. It's almost like we're starting over. And if you'll start asking the Lord stuff like I asked the Lord, I, I'm just telling, I've just been transparent again. Lord, he'll show you a thousand places you're missing it. Well, he won't do it all at one time, so don't get overwhelmed. He'll just do a couple. And if you'll respond to that, he'll give you a couple more. But the point I'm trying to make here is there is so much room for you to come into unity with your wife. You're not the only one. Everybody in the room needs to make a determined decision that they're going to stay unified at all times. You have to make that same effort with God. If you think that you can lackadaisically be a Christian, you're fooling yourself. It is a determined decision to be in unity with the Godhead. And when you do, there's power. Father, help us today to understand that the Christian life takes effort. You even said, God, that we'd be persecuted for that effort. So there is a great determination in persecution. Father, I just ask you right now. If you've got your, if you, if you, if you're married, would you stand? If you're, if you're married, would you stand? Why don't you, if you're not with your spouse, why don't you get with your spouse? You can go up there. You can go up there. If you're not with your spouse, you can get with them if they're, if they're here. You can, when we do something like this, you can even feel it in the room, can't you? You, you? you know everything needs work. And it's just so difficult sometimes to recognize the fact that it's you that are the problem. Right? It's like, oh my gosh, it's me. Our married couples are standing in the room and they need you desperately God so I ask for great grace Lord I pray that your power as they unify themselves with you as they understand God how much they need you how much we need you Lord to actually be something that you've designed us to be we fall short so often times, God. 
yet you never give up. You don't give up. And every time, God, we come back to you, your mercies are new every day. And you say to us, I'm glad to see you. Good, I'm glad you're in unity. Now I can bless you. Father, I know you want to bless these marriages. I know you want them to be something they never could imagine. God, there are, there are, there are people in the room that are struggling. There are people that, that husbands and wives aren't here. They're even struggling in their faith. They might be even unbelievers. You know. In every aspect, in every circumstance, in every situation, Father, I pray for healing. Can you just say that to the Lord? Lord, heal us. Heal us, God. Heal our hearts, God. Heal our souls. May our souls long for you, God, be transformed by you. Great grace upon us, oh God. Say that to the Lord. Great grace upon us, oh God. I get my feet, I get my heels out of the mud, God. And I surrender to you. This Valentine's Day, God, heal our hearts. Give us hope. Fill us with joy. In your presence is the fullness of joy. May you walk with us. May we sense you being with us as we come into agreement with you. May our hope be in the word, oh God. You work all things for good for those who are in unity with you. I work all things for good for those who love me and are called according to my purposes. Father, for all those singles here, I, I just pray, God, I pray for patience. I pray, God, for that they would never, ever feel less than. That they would be full in you, full of you, on a mission by you, even God alone sometimes. But I pray, God, for their their soulmate. I pray that they be saved. I pray that they be saved quickly. I pray that they respond to you quickly so that you can shorten the time. lift them to you, God. I pray that we'd be a good examples for those around us with our marriages. I thank you for that. I pray in Jesus' name.
Thanks for joining us today for our podcast. Eastside Church exists to help people encounter Jesus, be equipped to grow and engage their community. For more information, please go to our website at eastsidechurch.co.